everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Well, hey, Todd. Dr. Wignall, how you doing? Peachy. Peachy. Just peachy. That's good. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Peachy. Uh, I got a question for you. Great. When you, when you come up to a stoplight, let's say the light just turned red, mm-hmm. and you calmly come up to the stoplight, you're alone in the car. So I your slam mind on my brakes. Or- <laughs> As opposed to being slammed. Yeah. <laughs> calm, calm moment. Pull up to a stoplight. You know you've got about three minutes, two minutes to, to ponder. Where does your mind go? Mm. Check my phone. <laughs> Okay. I, I know okay. I shouldn't, but like, if I'm being honest, like, I think I've, you know, like in odd moments, like I've, not just stoplights, but like any like little free moment, I think I've been kind of conditioned to, uh, and so what, what's the thought there? Like what actually goes into my yeah. mind is yeah. like, yeah. oh, like I'm, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I should check my phone or I wonder, like, I wonder if I have an email or I wonder what's new on, you know, Twitter. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I bet you there's some little thought in there. Like, um, what's happening with X, um, yeah. which then prompts for this behavior of, uh, check my phone. Right. Right. And, and this is such a program thing. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, just listen to me say, that. I'm like, Oh, what do I, <laughs> it's very like automatic. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and this is the point I wanted to make is that, um, our minds are constantly engaged in these habits you know, and, and mental habits, behaviorally, we are conditioned to kind of go through these motions constantly. And just like when I ask you what happens when you come to stoplight, you're like, I don't know exactly what I'm thinking, Yeah. but I'm usually looking at my phone. I know uh-huh. the behavior is like, I get my, and that's a lot like what our clients will tell us kind of in moments where we say, Hey, in this moment, what did you think? They go, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking, but I know I did this thing, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know exactly what I was thinking. Um, and so when I talk to my clients about kind of uh, building mindfulness, they're becoming more aware of their thought and behavior patterns. It's often in boredom um, that we, we start working there. Hmm. Um, and and I, I thought it, was, it would be an interesting conversation today um, to maybe just kind of ping off of the, the benefits of being somewhat mindful of, of where your attention's at when you're bored. What is your mind doing when you're bored? It's, it's a great way to practice mindfulness um, when it's not in the heat of the moment and you're not, you know, just really stressed out with something. Yeah, I think, you know, this makes me think something interesting is that I, I think we are all, I think we encounter boredom just as much as anybody ever did. But we, because uh, in large part, because of kind of technology and smartphones and the fast pace of modern life and overstimulation, we can get out of it really quickly. There's always like, there's often something we can do to escape that. Like, huh, I have nothing to do. And like, maybe that's a little uncomfortable. So immediately super stimulating, right? I think with your phone constantly. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to check my, I'm going to check my phone. Right. Or I'm going to text emails, but I think that's, so that's one response, right? Other people, but there there's, a lot of responses to boredom, right? Like someone might, like I know certainly I've had some clients who their default response to boredom seems to be worrying. They start thinking about all the stuff they have to do. 
right? right. So they're like running through their mental to-do list, even kind of catastrophizing of, oh my God, if this goes wrong, you know, this goes south, what's going to happen? Um, so that, so you can have it, external behaviors in response mm-hmm. to boredom, but you can mm-hmm. also have kind of internal mental behaviors in response to boredom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is usually what happens when you, when you ask someone to start being mindful of where their thoughts go when they're bored, usually your clients who struggle with anxiety will come back and say, I didn't realize that's a lot of my worry time. You know, mm. when I have downtime is when I worry, I am constantly doing it, you know, driving around town. Um, when you have kind of just, you know, you're driving, but you yeah. also have this time, there's this, I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this, what if this happens? What if, you know, that's where their worry happens or when you're depressed and, and, and tend to ruminate, you know, you pull up to a stop sign and it's in those moments of boredom where some of those cognitive patterns that you were just talking about, those internal behaviors are really kind of manifesting, you know, yep. they pull up to the stop sign and they're like, oh, I just can't believe this day. This is awful. What the hell was wrong with me back 10 years ago when I did this and what's, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on with my, and they just run through the laundry list of the problems of their life. And it's like that rehearsal of, um, of rumination that get, just gets set in and practiced um, a lot of the time in boredom. Yeah. So boredom, moments of boredom can be kind of clarifying as to our, what are our sort of, um, our defaults, you know, our sort of habits of either behavior or, or of mind. Right. Yeah. But one thing, okay. So as, as we're talking about this, one thing that strikes me is a little bit interesting is the way we talk about that is in these moments of boredom in those that, you know, 90 seconds when I was sitting at the stoplight or in the 20 minutes of my commute, when I wasn't really doing anything, these, these periods of boredom, but are they really periods of boredom? I think what we're kind of saying actually is that you're only really feeling bored for that first like microsecond. And then in response to that little period of boredom, you're off to the races on worry or rumination or listening to a podcast or whatever it is. Right. So I, but I think that's kind of interesting, right? Is that we're so resistant to being bored to like not doing much at all that we will even go to, to lengths of like, we'll spend our time worrying and, and accumulate all the stress and anxiety that comes with that because we just really didn't want to feel that initial, we wanted to get away from that initial feeling of boredom. Yeah. yeah. So how often, like, do we, do you, I don't know, in my experience, I rarely actually feel bored for any extended period of time because I immediately do something to avoid it. Again, I like put in a <laughs> podcast or I call somebody or I like, uh-huh. you know, unless I'm literally sitting down to do like a mindfulness meditation or something. I'm what about like, like an airport layover when you're like, eh, you would still put on a podcast oh, no, or, I'm reading, or, read on a podcast. or something like that. Or okay. even honestly, like people watch, I think it's still, that's kind uh-huh. of an activity, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So maybe it's a little unfair to kind of dichotomize, like you're either bored or you're not bored. Maybe there's sort of like gradients of maybe people watching is like, you're sort of allowing yourself to be less busy than you normally would. Um, but, but it's, it, but it's interesting that one way to look at so I come to, you know, I've got this horrible like pattern of rumination that's leading to a lot of self-criticism and depression even sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, it's an interesting thought to think that that huge habit of self-criticism that's, and rumination that are leading to, to depression, a lot of that could have originated in just this kind of like preference not to feel bored. Like I just want to escape feeling bored. And so my mind goes to rumination. And the more I do it, the stronger that habit gets, right? Until yeah. it becomes this, this kind of like self-generating monster that's there, but isn't, it's kind of a crazy thought to think the origin of that could have been in something as simple as I just 
I was like, I wanted to escape feeling bored. I was really intolerant of that, just that simple feeling of boredom. And I got yeah, in this habit of using rumination or worry or whatever to get out of it. I don't know. That's kind yeah. of wild. It is wild. But I think, you know, in a way, this is what social media has figured out, <laughs> you know, that in your boredom, you are likely to do all sorts of things and you can be conditioned to do all sorts of things. And shopping is one of them, you know, <laughs> opening up your phone and, and, and buying stuff 24 hours a day is a thing, yeah. you know, or, and, it, yeah. and the fact that they, you know, I mean, we, yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it doesn't surprise me, but, um, but I, I, I see your point that something neutral, even like boredom could, could be um, a trigger for a lot of internal behaviors that can cause a lot of internal distress. Yeah. Well, and it makes me think too, if I've got a client who's really struggles with worry, um, you know, it, instead of like diving deep into like, you know, what happened in your childhood to lead to this and like, what, you know, how can you restructure your thoughts around worry? Like, what if, what if a huge intervention is something as simple as, okay, if a lot of your worry is actually getting triggered by these tiny little moments of boredom, what if the tack we took is let's increase your tolerance for boredom? Like let's practice being bored because if you can get better at being bored, even just for a little while, you're not going to need worry or rumination or whatever as much as a kind of like escape mechanism for that. So what if that's like an indirect way to sort of um, work through a lot of these unhelpful mental patterns like rumination or worry or self-criticism or whatnot? Yeah car rides are frequently where my clients practice functional thinking. That is, it is really good, great time. That's discreet that you have to yourself, yeah. you know, and that you can really kind of be attentive to the patterns and the habits of your mind. Yeah. It's a great, it's, it's so hard, a great though. training place. Yeah, it's, it's such tricky. a good, you know, like when you feel your mind going toward a worry and then go, eh, Nope, nope, come back. It's the same (laughs) as you not picking up your phone at a stoplight, right? It's just so reflexive that you've got to be, to change it, you've got to be pretty aware of it, you know, and and the better you get at kind of recognizing your pattern and and being able to identify it, but it's hard at first. I mean, if I tried to not pick up my phone at a stoplight, I would probably fail right today. I'd probably fail six out of 10 times. Yeah. Seven out of 10 times, maybe eight, maybe even eight. I don't know. Sure. Maybe I'd be shocked and I'd fail every time, <laughs> but if that's the truth, then I'm going to start there, you know, and say, okay, which you're raising a good point. I'm going to really make this a goal because I checked my phone at the stoplights yeah. too. Dang it. Well, this, and honestly, this is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm, despite it being sort of a cliche, I'm a really big fan of, of mindfulness meditation or a mindfulness practice. Just the, the simple idea of just like sit there, close your eyes and pay attention to your breath. And when you notice yourself get distracted, gently just sort of return your attention back to your breath because you, you are exercising the two crucial muscles, mental muscles involved in dealing with unhelpful thinking. You are A, noticing when your mind is going someplace you don't want it to go. And then you are B, bringing it back and holding it on something different, something that is more helpful. And like, that's, that's like the whole game, man. Like if you can get good at that. That's, that's everything. That's it's everything. So, and, and, it's, yeah. and it's sad that mindfulness has been used in such kind of a cheesy cliche away a lot because it right. really does teach you the essentials of can you be attentive to what your mind is doing and be more in control of it than you are right now? Well, you know? and I think that to me, the real shame is that 
mindfulness got pitched as like a relaxation strategy or a coping strategy. Like, oh yeah, do your mindfulness so that you can like relax and be calm. Which, or, which it is great. It's really relaxed. It's really calm. But well, man, is it, well, it's that muscle building that's so I don't, important. But see, that's the thing. Sometimes it's really relaxing. I think a lot of the time though, it's a huge pain in the ass and a lot of work. It's really stressful and like frustrating because your mind is constantly getting distracted and you're constantly feeling like a screw up and like having to return your attention back to. So I think, but I think because it's pitched as this thing that should make you really relaxed and calm and people oh, are like, what the hell? This doesn't make me relaxed or calm at all. It's a ton yeah, it's of work. Effortful. It's effortful. I think yeah, I that's why I try and call it a mindfulness practice because <laughs> it's literally, it's an exercise. Yeah. It's not designed to make you feel good. It's, designed, it's a workout. It's the opposite. It's you deliberately stress yeah. yourself so that you grow, right? Yeah. Like any kind yeah. of workout, right? You, yeah. If you don't feel sore after like lifting weights, like, you know, how well did you lift? <laughs> the point yeah. isn't to make you feel really good while you're lifting weights. The point is to get stronger. And similarly, yeah. I think with mindfulness, I think a lot more people could benefit from it if it was framed that way as an mm -hmm. exercise that will be kind of uncomfortable and a little frustrating, especially at the beginning, mm -hmm. but it's about what, what's the long-term benefit that it leads to. Right. And that, I think it is that, that among other things, that ability to sort of Focus be attention. aware, yeah, be aware of your thoughts and where they're going and then be able to kind of manage them and control them instead of just being controlled by them. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, in, or, or, or rather than control more of a, more of a direct directing attention, directing focus, directing. That, that's a good distinction. Yeah, Controlling yeah. your attention, not your thoughts. You can't yeah, really yeah. control your thoughts all that well, but you can always right. control your attention. Right. I always want to clean up after you, Nick, and make those Thank distinctions. Thank you. I, I'm a, I'm a messy dude. That's, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> good job. Our thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of What Would My Shrink Say? As therapists, Todd and I know how painful emotional struggles can be. From anxiety and low self-esteem to relationship conflict and self-doubt, painful patterns of thought and emotion are brutal to live with and tragic in how they sabotage our goals and aspirations. And while we hope this podcast is a helpful starting point, there's no substitute for working one-on-one -on -one with a professional therapist. BetterHelp is the easiest way to find a great therapist who's great for you. When you sign into their secure online platform, they'll assess your specific needs and match you up with a licensed professional therapist so you can get started in as quickly as 48 hours. And with a network of over 20,000 professional therapists, it's available to anyone worldwide. You can log into your account anytime to message your therapist or schedule weekly video or phone sessions. Visit betterhelp.com backslash what would my shrink say to get started right away. And as listeners of the show, you'll get 10% off your first month when you sign up using our link, betterhelp.com backslash what would my shrink say, which you can also find in the show notes. Once again, our thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.